That's kind of how I felt when we started doing series. I said, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be so far like ahead of the Because, like, you know what chapter is coming next, so it's not like rocket science, you know, so I can have everything prepared so far in advance, except for chapters like this where, like, I had prepared for uh, verse, let's see, make sure I get it right, verses uh, 16 on, and uh, God said, you're not even going to make it to verse 16 today. Uh, so I was like, all right. So we regrouped, and um, here we are with a uh, sermon not on what I had plans. <laughs> uh, and that's good for you guys, not for me. Because, see, I have 16 on prepared, so we could keep going. But I figured after 15 or 16 pages, you guys may want to go to lunch and break and come back or something. So we'll, let's see. I want to start with a question, kind of the same question God gave. Gave Solomon, and all kidding aside, why I say that? Maybe, maybe this week, because I don't think, I don't think at least, who knows? I don't think we'll go back uh, next week to chapter three again. So maybe you guys should do some personal study on verses sixteen on, because uh, there's a lot of lessons there. So you got to get more to what I'm gonna give you. Uh, but anyway, start with a question that's in this thing from from God to, to Solomon. If you had one wish, what would it be for? Knowing that now we got the same ideas and the same rules. That we get from uh, from like genie wishes and TV. You, you can't wish for more wishes and you can't wish for love. Uh, you just get that that one that one wish. Don't shout it out loud. I don't want anybody to get in trouble yet. Uh, but think about it. What would the one wish really be if God Himself? Because in essence, this is kind of what is happening with Solomon as he begins his reign as king. If you had one wish from God, what would it be? What would you really wish for? Think for a minute and let that sink in. Is that to tell you where your heart's at this morning? And I, and that's why I say keep it to yourself. I don't want no religious answer. I don't want no right answer, no wrong answer. Just an honest answer. I mean, God already knows what your first thought was anyway. So even if you try to lie right now, like if you're inside your head having that battle and you're like, oh, I didn't mean to think that. I was thinking this. God's like, I know what you were, were thinking. Let it be a test. That's a good thing. Let it be a test to show you where you're at. Sometimes I think we, we under, we undervalue Negative responses. Now that sounds really weird, but but think about that. Sometimes something negative that happens in our head is a, is a good teaching moment to realize. Well, I'm not where I need to be. Um, it, value that. that. That's a good thing. So think on that. First Kings chapter three verse five. This is what God said. And give me in the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, "Ask, what should I give you?" So there's where you're at. There's where Solomon's at. Now before we get into this, I, I want to look at Solomon real quickly for some of you that haven't been with us or hadn't checked out online at least. Solomon, David's son, he takes his reign in this chapter, kind of began to take his reign last chapter, really, uh, appointed to the throne. He's a man that you could say is born to privilege, but he's also a man that you could say is born to a pretty messed up family. Pretty messed up conditions when you really look at, at Solomon and everything. After all, his dad is David, yet he is the result of David sleeping with his best friend's wife and then killing his best friend. So that in itself is just a really complicated relationship uh, to begin out on. David or Solomon is not David's only son. He's not even his oldest son. So out of jealousy for many chapters at the end of Samuel and even into Kings now, we see brotherly love going on. Uh, in other words, we see a lot of fighting, a lot of slapping, a lot of hitting, a lot of biting, and a lot of killing uh, all over the, this jealousy and who's going to take the throne next. So just to remind you part of, of Solomon's family, you've got, you've got Amnon, which is David's oldest. He rapes his half-sister. So David's other son then kills him. All right. So if you think your family's bad, just hang on and, and you will be a OK at the end of this. Absalom, who, who then would be next, 
clearly David's favorite, so much his favorite that in the fact of he decides to revolt against David and tries to overthrow David because he wants to be king before David retires and gives him the kingship. And he dies in that process. So then we got to this this uh, other son who, uh, while David's on his deathbed, the third son, um, Adonijah, he, he decided to claim the throne. And he also decided, since that didn't work, well, I just want to get my dad's favorite concubine and make her my wife and give me a at least an error to, to shoot at the throne. And because of that, he's killed. So again, I point all this out to, to think about this, to ask you a question. Do you feel better about your family? You should. You should. If you don't, here, here's the really good thing. Now, this part may not be good. This part may just be honesty with all of us. We come from some dirty, messed up families, do we not? We've all got somebody. i tell you how, how messed up stuff is. Our thoughts go straight negative sometimes when it comes to family stuff. So a little bit of confession. I thought that Aubrey had done kick Allen out when he was sitting on the other side of the church because he didn't stop at that gas station a couple weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm standing there. Allen's over here. His family's over here. You know, I'm like, oh, she done finally did it because he didn't stop at that gas station and she had enough of it. You know what I'm saying? Stop at the wrong gas station again and see what happens. Uh, so so that, that we instantly go to like the negative on things. It doesn't have to be negative. Right. We've all got some messed up stuff in our family that sometimes we try to hide. and Sometimes we try to cover up. So then, of course, after worship time, Alan's now allowed to come back and sit with, with his family. So it's a good thing. Right. Here's the really good news. While we all come from messed up families, most of the people that God chooses to use in Scripture come from some pretty messed up families. Now, let that sink in. That's, that's good news. That's good news, because some of us are thinking, well, I ain't never going to make the cut. I'll never get. No. No, most of the people God chooses to use in the Bible came from messed up stuff. So here's a, here's a lesson at the very beginning of Solomon's reign. Your past family history doesn't have to define your future. Your past family history doesn't and shouldn't, maybe we should say shouldn't instead of doesn't, shouldn't define your future. God wants to start a legacy and a blessing for your family in you today. And that goes for whoever we are, wherever we are all the time. That That's a statement you can say all you like, how can, I can always say that because God wants the best for us. We choose the opposite, but God wants the best for us. Okay, so today, hopefully, if you haven't already, you can become the person who's going to start being used by God to bless your family, to bless others, to bless this church, to bless the community, to, to bless everybody, to bless people in the gym, right? So, so look at this. Now, we're not even going to look at the beginning because we come back to the beginning a little bit later in Solomon's reign. But chapter three at the beginning, here's where this thing starts out. Again, going to come back to all this later, but I got to point it out because God points it out. At this very beginning, it says that Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh. King, at first time I read this, I wasn't doing any research. I don't know how long ago that was, but I wasn't doing any research on timeline. So I'm like, OK, this is dude's first wife. Like it's common in that time period that, that people of hierarchy, married people of hierarchy to get some alliances, some protection going and all that. Then there happens to be this other book that records a whole lot about what goes on in Samuel and Kings. And, and it makes this one little statement. I don't know if everybody's ever even caught it. And it says that Rehoboam, who's going to be the, the next king, just so you know that. So he's, he's the oldest. He's next in line. He was born and he's 41. But at the very end here, we hear that Solomon was only king for 40 years. So Solomon had to have a woman prior to this Egyptian pharaoh's daughter. Make sense? Now, again, I don't want to get into that real long because that's coming real, real soon into, into Solomon's life. But I need you to understand it's showing us this. Because also in this very beginning, what do we see? We see that it says that Solomon was passionate about God. So parents, please listen up, especially you fathers. What we see is a scripture verse that says Solomon was walking like his daddy walked. 
But we also get a little sneak peek of how much he was walking like his daddy walked because his daddy was passionate about God. Right. Only man recorded is having a heart after God. Right. So he's there. Solomon's there. But what does daddy have a problem with? Oh, root of all evil. I mean, the, the, the thing that the thing that gets us when we have problems going on. Right. Think about this, guys. He's following so much in his daddy's footsteps. That, that he's not only having a passion for God, he's totally just like David. You know, so again, I point this out because so many people read scripture in the Old Testament like, I can't believe God was like, okay and wanting people to have all them wives. And there ain't a verse in the Old Testament that tells a man to have more than one wife. Do we understand that? Okay, I don't care if you're Mormon, Catholic, Baptist, or anything in between or anything outside of. All right, there's nothing that says go get you a bunch of them. Right? Unless you want to look like my head a whole lot earlier in life. Okay? What it's doing is recording actual events that take place. The Bible's a history book, too. So it's telling us where stuff actually happens. All right? So what it's saying is Solomon was so much like his daddy, yeah, he had a heart after God, but he also had a, a passion for women. Now, given a lot of Solomon, he's going to have a thousand of them by the end, just so you can understand just how much to the extreme he goes. But parents, listen up. We can't be two-faced parents. Because when you're a two-faced parent, your child's going to follow a two-faced lifestyle. You understand that? Right. We, we need we need to be mamas like like Abby, where, where your child calls you however many years later. Man, I hope it don't take the 24. Call me at like 21. That'd make me feel, you know, saying real good. So, so but but we need we need those moments where a child is going to call us and be like, I thank you for fighting me. I don't know how old it was, but I remember the first time I swallowed my pride and had to say, man, you were right to my parents. Now, that's a good pill to swallow. You want to swallow that pride pill. OK. Sometimes swallowing the pride feels right, but we need those moments. But those moments will not exist if we as parents are two-faced. If our child here is saying one thing this way and one thing that way, or if we act one way in church and one way out of church, or if we, we, we worship on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day of the week. I told y'all before, right? When I studied the seven-day Adventist, I had to become one. Yeah, oh, y'all didn't know that. I'm very sorry. Well, when I was studying, oh, you, you like, I'm changing churches right now. Like you done lost it, right? Right. Well, when I was studying, I found out Saturday was actually the Sabbath. So this was a long, long time ago. And I was like, I need to start worshiping God on Saturday. So, so I, I was like, seven day Adventist, I got it going on there, right? But I didn't want to leave you guys. So, so I still worship on Sunday. And then I figured out, man, I should probably just worship on Monday and worship on Tuesday. And I really liked him. So I, I think I'll go ahead and worship on Wednesday. And I'm kind of fond of this God thing. So I think I'm, I'm going to worship him on Thursday and Friday as well. So I'm kind of like a, like an all dayist. Uh, you know, so I just want to confess that to y'all who didn't know, because some of y'all didn't know that. And I want to make sure I'm clear. Do we have, like, there's not, we make so much stuff about days. You know, now there's stuff about the Sabbath. Okay. I'm not taking away from the Sabbath. I'm sorry. You guys worship? Worship's like an everyday, all day kind of thing. Okay. Like that, that's something that should be having. You should be driving down the road and breaking into some worship moments. Right. I'm telling you, like that, that should be there. So, so there's, there's where he's at. And then I want to get to verse three. And again, this, this part comes later, but I, I can't ignore it. I can't ignore it. Verse three says this. Solomon loved Yahweh the Lord by walking in his statues like his daddy. Man, that's, that's good. That sounds so awesome, right? You're like, yes, Solomon, rock it out like David. Be a man after God's own heart. And then you've got like this comma. Y'all see that little comma? We'll come back to a comma in another verse later. That's like awesome, right? But then you got this word, but, and that's like a little but. And little buts cause a lot of trouble. All right? Think about that. Let that sink in. You'll get it in just a minute, right? All right? But. But it's a conjunction, so that tells us there, there's a change-up happening in this sentence, right? He was like his daddy, walked like his daddy, worshipped like his daddy, but 
He also sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Now, I'm just pointing it out because we're coming back to it. So don't think we're going to pause there because we will never make it to the rest of these verses if we pause there, right? It tells you right there, David was in a place he wasn't supposed to be in. It sounds good, doesn't it? When you read it, you're like, man, he sacrificed a thousand animals, which just shows us he had a lot of money and he did really love God. But he was in a place he shouldn't have been in, which means he was dampering with stuff he shouldn't have been dampering with. And he's already got this second wife from an Egyptian pharaoh that he's not supposed to have. And his downward slide is already stopping. And like I've told you with, with, with Saul and David and so many others that we look at in Scripture, it could have stopped right there. And the reason the Bible, I think, the reason the Bible points out stuff that's kind of out of place and kind of in a, in a weird moment, like why, why would that be right there? I think it's there because we need to see the beginning of the downward slope. Because if we could stop the beginning of the downward slope, my God, we wouldn't have to make it to the bottom of the slide. You could stay at the top. All right? So, so, so that's where I just need you to understand because also this. While Solomon is walking in the statues the way he thinks he can, and he's in a place he shouldn't be, by the answers we're going to get here, we, we get to see some of God's grace and mercy. Okay? Now, now you've got a couple lessons here. I don't want you guys thinking this either. You realize this is not the only place God is, right? I don't come here Monday, Tuesday. I do come here on Wednesday. I don't come here Thursday, Friday. I do stop by on Saturday sometime, and I'm here on Sunday, right? But I worship God all those days. You don't have to be at a certain location to honor God. I'm afraid sometimes we as church folk have gotten into the mindset of thinking like, oh, I got to be like right there for me to experience God. No, you don't. The Bible says God is where? Everywhere. To be quite honest with you guys, when you think you got to be in a certain spot at a certain time to meet with God, that's a paganistic idea. Because they thought like God was only in one spot at one location and, and they had they could only get him there at a certain time. Right. My God is not bound by time and he's not bound by location. He's everywhere all the time, and I can get to him anywhere all the time. Okay? So so there's one of the little lessons we're getting. The second lesson we kind of get right here from God in his grace and his character and his mercy is this. Even when you mess up, even when you mess up, I'm right there with you. Because I don't want you to read this and think, this is the main reason I'm pointing this out today. I don't want you to read this and be like, man, he sacrificed a thousand things, and God came down like a genie and said, what can I give you as a wish? God is not a rewarder of things either. You understand this, right? I need to make sure you really understand this because some of us don't. Like we act like we do and we pretend like we do and we'll amen it because the pastor said it, but we don't really understand it. We think we got to do good to get good. God is not rewarding Solomon right now because he sacrificed a thousand animals. He's not. We need to understand that because that would mean that God's love is conditional. Right? On, on us. It's, it's not conditional because he's in the wrong place doing some of the wrong things, even though part of it seems right. It's a little mixed up right now. We'll come back to it. In, I don't know how many weeks before God actually gets us there, but we're going to come back to it. But I need to make sure you understand this is not just a reward. OK, this is almost like a test because God knows what's coming. So let's jump into this thing. All right. I'm going to do six through 15 and that's it. All right. Because I could stay long on the intro and I could stay long on the ending. But God wants the middle. All right. So it's like a sandwich. Let's eat this thing. Right. Look at this thing. Go to verse six. We got to look at how Solomon responds to God's offer, right? God, God said in verse five, what can I get you, Solomon? You get one thing. What can I get you? Now, now here, here, you need to look at this two ways. Note what he asks for. And in the answer, we also get why he asks for it. All right. The what he asks for is easy. What did he ask for? 
Wisdom. Do we really understand wisdom? Oh, good word, right? Do we really understand what wisdom is? Here's like a basic definition for, for wisdom just here. The ability to see things from God's perspective. Kind of goes in a little bit. Now, that's not the only definition, so don't think like, oh, I got it. One sentence, no. And we're going to go a little longer, right? But 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 it's kind of like when we look at the word repent. Do you understand what repent really means? We looked at it a little bit Wednesday night with the men. Repent means what? It, it's a turnaround, but you've got to turn around because I'm in agreement with what God says. It's why David was so awesome. Did he make a bunch of mistakes? Oh, yeah. But what did he? What, he was in agreement with God every time. He was never like, oh, no, God, I'm, I'm allowed to do it this way. No, no, he, he was in. I was wrong. Like I messed up. I mean, look at some of the Psalms that he writes when he's heartbroken and he realizes the, the grace and the mercy that God gave him. I mean, look at some of the moments in the songs that he writes and in the, in the praise time that he has. He was in agreement with God. And that's wisdom. Part of wisdom is understanding the ability to see things from God's perspective. All right. You, you could really look at it this way. And when you look at the at the words in verse nine, it gets a little better. Some of y'all in verse nine says understanding. Some of you I like better in verse nine says receptive. That, that Hebrew word right there, no matter which one your English translation has, the Hebrew word there is hearing. Oh, but not hearing with your ears. Hearing with what? What does he say? I, w- I want to hear with my heart. I-, I don't want just head knowledge. I don't, I don't just want it to go there, which, by the way, wisdom is the application of knowledge. So you can be as smart as you want, but if you don't apply it, you ain't got no wisdom. All right. That's why we get the, the second part of chapter three. He goes instantly into applying it. Right. So verse nine, hearing, give me the ability. God, here's his prayer. Give me the ability to perceive things like you perceive them. What kind of place would we be in if we began to perceive things like God perceives things? What kind of place would we be in if we heard things in the heart the way God says them? Huh? Huh? We might all start worshiping seven days a week, right? Could we be that bold? And here, here it goes even further. Now, now we know that, I hope you know, Solomon wrote Proverbs. We, we call Proverbs the book of wisdom, right? Book of wisdom. When he uses, most of the time, when he uses the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs, right, which he wrote for wisdom, it usually actually translates into Hebrew to training or coming under authority. Oh, now we're getting a whole lot deeper on this wisdom thing, right? God, I want you to train me. And bring me under authority. Now, now here, here's how awesome this gets, right? When we talk about uh, talk about this and the word of God that's coming up here in a minute that we're going to get to. You want to talk about awkward conversations. So new daddies learn a lot of stuff they didn't know. I, I don't know if everybody knows that. New daddy, you learn, did you learn a lot when you first had? Right? Did you learn a lot? Any dad in here not learn a lot when they first had a child? So all of us, you learn a lot? All of us learned a lot. Right. So you sit there and you never know where you're going to go with a conversation with a new daddy. And now they got like a lot of class. Even even since I started having children with my wife, I didn't have any. Um, but but ever ever since that part started, they've even gone further, you know, in this process. So I'm sitting down yesterday with, with a guy who just had a baby a couple weeks ago. And, and he tells me this. He goes, man, we we had a latching class. Said so you had a what? We went and talked to the breastfeeding consultant. So in my head, I'm like, could you think this lady passing out cards? What do you do for a living? Talk to people about latching. Latching on the what? Onto a breast so they can feed their child. 
Now, now here's what's awesome. There is no awkward moments right now. Like this is this is deep, like instantly. Like he's serious. He goes, man, if they don't latch right and, and they don't feed the right amount, they'll only get a little bit and they'll fall asleep too early before feeding the rest and they'll get jaundice. I'm like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Like if you don't get the, the real nutrients and we go a little deeper and he's like, yeah. And, and like there's there's certain things they got to do and the baby's got to learn to latch naturally so they get all the stuff they're supposed to get and they got to stay connected. I mean, he's getting excited about it. Right. And I'm sitting there. This is at the tire store. So. So I'm like, man, we in the most manly environment you could get in, right? Whoa, whoa. We, we had a shop with tires and grease, and it ain't a clean shop. We keep it dirty because we work there for a living, right? And we're talking about breastfeeding and latching and getting, like, serious about it. And then there's, like, that awkward pause, kind of like what's going to happen when Solomon says, bring me the sword, right? And he looks up and he goes, there's a spiritual lesson there. And I guess he didn't come today because I told him I was going to use this, right? So you, you're called out online, brother. I know you watch online, so you're there, right? So, so, so you're there. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, if we would just latch on to the things of God. I was like, now that's, that's using everything for his purpose all the time, right? Now, now it goes deeper than what we were talking about there. Cause now you think about it. Now my head's there all day, right? Not, not on the latching of breastfeeding, the latching on the word of God. Really messed that one up. Let's edit that from the website, right? So, so, so you got that. My head is there. I'm on this latching on the word of God. And I'm like, man, if we only latch on for a little bit and get what makes us feel good, we're going to get spiritual jaundice. We get spiritual jaundice because we're not going to get the nutrients we really need. We're just going to get what we like. Right. Right. It's kind of like if you eat dessert first. Right. You get the sweets and the good stuff, but, but then you don't want the green beans and the baked potato and the steak. Are you hungry? Oh, you're a dessert for, oh, we stepping on your toe. Well, I didn't want to step on toes physically, just spiritually today, right? But, but think about this, guys. When we latch onto the word of God and we stay latched, then all that stuff gets in us the way it's supposed to, and we can then use it. It, it, it does what it's supposed to make us grow healthy, right? I mean, this is, I was like, man, this is awesome, right? We just took like the most feminine class I think you could have sat in, which I know Danny probably made. Oh, now you know who it was. My bad. Um, sorry, brother. You just got ratted out, right? So, so Danny probably made Preston sit in this class, right? But he learned a lot. And then we took it to a spiritual level. It's awesome. I think stuff like that is great, guys. Right? So, so, so when he says this thing and he's talking about wisdom, we need to understand, like, we need to latch to the word of God and get everything the word of God wants for us to get, not just the good stuff. Not just, not just enough to make us sleepy and, and full. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever just eat a, a little bit? You're like, ah, oh, so full. Right? You fall asleep too early, you don't get the good stuff. So, so that's where we're at. So, so then it goes further. It talks about training and coming under authority. With well, the word of God, when you get wisdom, should train you, which means you got to change stuff, right? When you get trained, that's, tra- that's, that's changing that stops. You know why the military's first step is to break you down? Because they don't like who you were. It's, they can't use who you were. I mean, all honesty, think about it. If you stay like you were, what benefit are you to us when we go to war? We need to break you down and train you back up the way we want you trained. I, I, I know people in professional fields right now that will tell you they want to, Now, some of them don't have this authority or some of them don't have this this um this idea, which is kind of weird. But I, I like it. I've heard many people, especially now Crystal's getting into the legal field a bit. They want somebody who hadn't worked somewhere else yet because they want to train them their way. They don't want them corrupted the other way. You know, so that's kind of scary for some of us that grew up in church because we may have been manipulated or trained the wrong way. And now we got to be broke back down. 
to understanding and coming under the authority of the right way. Right. Which I think is a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing, guys. I, I think God I told you guys before, like there are famous pastors, not many, unfortunately, but they're famous pastors. I've heard say like straight up, I didn't know why I believed it. So I checked it out and I realized I don't believe it like that to me. I'm like, what? Like that. That is it. That is the biggest praise report you can get. Right. I mean, you didn't know why you believed it. So you were you had the guts to say, I don't know. So I'm going to check it out. Like, a good question. Why do I believe it? And when you checked out, you were like, oh, crap, I don't even believe what I said I believed. Boom. Like that, that's highlight moment, man. That's awesome. And you don't have to be a pastor. Any of you believers, when you get to that stage, it's awesome. All right. So coming under the training and under the authority of the word of God, which is what Solomon means when he writes in Proverbs and uses the word wisdom to be wise, to have your thoughts trained in a God shaped you so that you will know this is awesome. So that you will know what God wants you to know before he even says it. Now, that sounds kind of crazy, right? It sounds crazy, but do we not have that going on in our real life? Because I know some of you are right now. How can I know what God wants me to know before he even says it? Do you know what your spouse means before they say it when they look at you a certain way? Oh, so that makes sense now. Now we're like, oh, yeah. Right. Do you not know what your mom and daddy was going to say before they said it when they look at you? Right. You know, like, you know, it's coming. Do you not know what your boss is going to say before he says it when he looks at you? You know, roundabout what's coming. Right. Do you not know what your coach is going to tell you when you come walking off the field after you screwed something up before he even says it? Yeah, you know by the look. You know by, matter of fact, with coaches, you know by the hat. Co- coaches always got like this extra thing. Like in case you didn't get the look, they start, they start adjusting the hat a lot. When the hat gets adjusted, you know you're in trouble, right? So there's a little sign. Well, well if it makes so much sense with all these worldly relationships, why can't it make sense with God? Now, I'm not saying you'll know everything before God says it, guys. Understand? But there'll be, there'll be this special, this special part of the spirit that gets inside the heart, not the mind, but in the heart, and you'll know like, oh, that, that's wrong. And you might even not know why it's wrong. But guess what? When you know something's wrong, what should you do? Check it out. That should be our answer. That, I want you guys, when I pause the next time, I hope I time it right. You just say, check it out. Right? Because that's it. When we don't know exactly what, 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 what's going on and we get this weird feeling, we should check it out. Why are we so afraid to check stuff out? I think it's because we're afraid of change. I, I really do. Or, or we're worried we won't get it. Or we're worried we'll, we'll have to admit that we were wrong for a long period of time. Check it out, right? And you can almost say it this way. Now, this word isn't in the Hebrew, but I, I kind of like this word. It makes sense. Word. Wisdom is like an instinct. You know, like you instinctively know, you know, certain things. When you get godly wisdom in the heart, you get an instinct for, for a response, right? So it leads us to the second word he uses for this. I didn't mean to say so long on that. I apologize. Second word he uses is discern. He said, God, give me, give me a perceptive, give me a hearing, give me an understanding, whatever translation yours has, right? But also give me the ability to, to, to discern between good and evil. He asked for the ability to discern the right path from the wrong path, specifically the ones that aren't laid out clearly. Now, now this is awesome for me because I'm like, man, the Bible is so clear on certain stuff. But if we would have the guts to be bold enough to be honest, the Bible is clear as mud on some certain stuff, too. Am I right? Now, I'm not saying you can't dive in and get answers. OK, don't leave here thinking. Pastor said the Bible is like mud. That is that should not be in your notes like that is not the highlight moment. OK. What I'm saying is this, though, if you dive into the word of God and start to check stuff out enough, you'll notice like there's some stuff in your daily life that the Bible doesn't give you a a word for word verbatim rule. on. The Bible doesn't tell you who to marry, do it, does it? That tells you what you should look for in a spouse, but it doesn't tell you who to marry. Does the Bible tell you what job to take? It gives you some ideas on what you should be looking for, but it doesn't tell you what job. Does it tell you how to handle uh, all your all your big financial crisis when they come up? It gives you some some instructions. But it's not like when you're looking at the bank account and having to make decisions, 
you know, like buying your pastor an F-250 instead of yourself an F-250. That, you know, that may be there. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it is there. I should stand here because, right, I'm not from the word yet. Right. I'm not saying it isn't there. I'm just saying maybe, maybe it could be there. Right. So, so you got that going on. Right. I will accept any F-250s that come my way. Um, tax write-off. Right. You write it to you. Do not buy me a truck. Seriously, if you're going to spend money, spend it on something more value. As much as I joke about stuff, okay? Do not buy me anything like that. Right? Not that I think anybody was going to, but I want to make sure we understand. Like, I'm just kidding. All right? So, so what, what about relational conflicts? Does, you t- does it tell you the, the exact way that, that you can handle everyone? Maybe not always, not word for word. But the instructions are there, right? So here's wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do in the situations where it's not clearly spelled out. Now, just to prove how, how weird this can get. Tim Keller says this, which I think is good. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate the realities of life when the rules don't help. You ever been there? Like, you know the rules, and the rules still ain't helping exactly. So you're like, man, what the heck do I do, man? Right? You want to do good, but, but, but you don't know. So go to Proverbs 26. This one's not on the screen. I didn't make it red, so my wife didn't put it there. So you have to have a Bible. Imagine that in church. All right? So, so you go to Proverbs 26, verse 4. tells you this. It is disastrous to try to answer a fool when they're saying foolish things. You could amen that, right? Heck yeah, amen. Right, but then there's verse five. You're like, hold on now, verse verse four and verse five. So this is right after it. Verse five, right after it says this. Tells you it's disastrous not to answer a fool. Yeah, that's my little cliff. I'm like, what the heck, Jesus? Right? What, what are you what, what are you what are you talking about? Like, what, in one verse you said it's disastrous to answer them when they're saying foolish things, but right after you say it's disastrous not to answer a fool. Right? Here's where wisdom comes in. You got to have the wisdom to know when you if you're in a verse four situation or a verse five situation. Do we understand that? Do you understand we can be in different situations? Because we'll read this and we'll be like, oh, I, I just won't do nothing now because I don't know what to do. That's not the answer either. The answer is for some wisdom to come in, right, and give me clarity. God, am I in a verse four situation or am I in a verse five situation? Right? And I, I think if we would actually use that, we, we might would get where we need to be, okay? Another example, which is, which is what we just read. So I'm not going to go into it too much, but there's a lot of lessons that you should get. So right after this whole section. Right. So first Kings three, he's prayed for wisdom. He gets wisdom, which we'll get to in just a minute. Right. Right after that, this woman comes in. Now, a lot of people assume I'm saying assume because I really I don't know. Okay, I honestly don't know. I know people argue both ways. A lot of people assume these are two prostitutes that lived in the same house. They had children at the same time. What? I don't care. Right. What I love is this. The verse never gives them name. It doesn't tell you which mama was right because it just uses mama, 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 mama. Right. So, so, so you don't know which mama was right. You don't know if the first one was right, the second one was right. You don't know their names. You don't know what. You don't know nothing. Why? Because it's none of your business. Understand that. I, I love that none of the details is there other than how Solomon handles this thing. Okay? So so he runs in. She, or she runs in, I'm sorry, to the king. And, and here's the honest thing about it, guys, which I really like. She comes in and she says there's no other witnesses. Both of them agree on everything except for whose baby it is, right? Both of them say there's no other witnesses. Baby died by somebody sleeping on it. Baby got switched around. The only thing they disagree on is that who, whose baby was which one. So, so you got stuff in the, in scripture that tells us this. You discern who's right and who's wrong by the witnesses. So like, hold on. Now we don't get a clear answer, right? Cause we don't have witnesses. And both of these people even agree we don't have witnesses. So, so what do we do? Someone says we use wisdom. Now what we also see from here that you should get in your personal study is that everybody's got a story with every situation. There's always multiple stories to every situation. Okay, just that's just a free one for you. All right, you should get that. So Solomon then says, now remember how bold he was in chapter two. So we know so- everybody knows Solomon might be young, he might be just starting out, but he means what he says. So Solomon says, okay, well, 
if we don't know who is who, then the only way to work this out is somebody bring me my sword. Now, I don't know if the sword was like right beside him. I don't know if dude had to go down to the chamber where he was keeping David's sword, where he cut Goliath's head off and he wanted that. I don't know which sword anybody went to get. But can you imagine how quiet it was for that period of time that the sword was retrieved? I mean, everybody's thinking, David, don't play. Y'all Y'all just watched him kill everybody in chapter two. Like he done cleaned house in chapter two. He ain't playing no games. If Benaiah comes up in here right now, your baby dead. Right. Because Benaiah is one that's been handling everything. So like Benaiah don't play. Right. So so they put the baby up on the altar. He, he gets his sword and he goes, only thing I can do since we don't know and there's no witnesses. I cut the baby in half. You get half. You get half. And the true mama, which all I think all of us understand. Said, no, 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 just, just give her, just give her the baby. Don't cut now. The other old hag. Yeah, that's what I said. All right. That's, that's my polite way of saying it. The other old hag says, yeah, cut him up. We'll share. What kind of answer is that? Right. So David now has wisdom because he can't follow the rules, but he's got wisdom to say, ah, oh, that lady's response. That's, that's the mama. And then in my personal story, he takes a sword and cut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know what he does with the other lady, but, <laughs> but, but wisdom right off the rip. Wisdom is application and knowledge. What if he had got all the knowledge and did nothing with it? How much knowledge do you have that you're not doing anything with? Wisdom is application and knowledge. All right. So, so, so here we go a little deeper. Solomon asked God to give him the ability to know what God wants, even when it's not clear. That's something we should be doing, right? I want to perceive what you perceive God. So that's the what. But just as important, I think even more important, by the way, God responds, is the why. So look down to verse 9. Remember, we're not going all the way to the end, so it's okay when we're only at verse 9. Verse 9. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Man, what a response. Because here's the why. It's not about Solomon. He's not asking so that he can get rich. He's not asking so that he can get more, lots of money. Uh, it's for the people's sake, which ultimately means it's for God's sake, because who, whose are the people? They're God's. I hope we've gathered that through, through multiple books now, right? They're not the kings. They're God's people. God's people the whole time, right? So here's three ingredients we get from Solomon's prayer that stand out to me. Number one, Solomon prays understanding that he's little. He understands that he's little in the big scheme of things, man. He might be king. He might have just wiped the floor with everybody from chapter two. He might even had a good answer coming for the end of this chapter. But in verse seven, he says, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in my father's place. Yet I'm just a youth. Now, he doesn't mean he's really just a child, right? What do you mean? I'm inexperienced in leadership. Like I'm new to this thing, right? Solomon didn't say, and here's what we need to understand. Please grab this one. Solomon didn't say, I can't do this. so I'm not even going to try. We shake our head and laugh, but, but how many times we use that one? Oh, that's just too big for me. I can't do that. I'm out. Right? I hear one more person, especially a believer, tell me, I can't do it. It's too big. I'm going to have to ask them what it is they actually believe. Because they don't believe the same thing I believe. And they don't believe what's written in Scripture. Because Scripture says, like Solomon, this job is much bigger than me, but I can rely on you, God. This job is way too big for me, but I trust in you, God. Right? Now, this is also smart, because what, what does Scripture tell us? God promises to what? Never turn away the humble who cry out to help for him. Oh, you're thinking, well, I just need to cry out more. No, you need to humble yourself first, then cry out because he knows the difference. Right? Right? You, you can learn this. It's contrary to everything society teaches us right now, which is sad. God never turns away those that look to him for help. He gives he gives us wisdom to Solomon because he confesses, I don't have it. He's basically emptying himself. Man, I, I don't have it, God. I need you to put it in. 
Now, now what's weird is usually the smarter, more savvy people, the less likely you are to get God's wisdom because you're already full of your own, right? The humble person, right? The hum, humble person, they, they get stuff out of the way because they don't have it together. They got, they got room to fill it in with God's stuff, right? So sometimes we need to do a little emptying before we can do some refilling, right? God, 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 God is able to teach a, a humble spirit more than he's able to do anything but a proud or arrogant one. Makes sense, right? Yeah. James says it this way. I'm going to use a lot of James so you men who's been with us on Wednesday. It's your fault, all right? But you will hear it twice because you probably need to hear it three times. James 4, 6. God resists the problem but gives grace to the humble. I, I love this verse, man. Now, this doesn't sound like anything that you'd want to hear in church, though, because here's the part I love about it. God, God resists the problem but gives grace to the humble. It doesn't just say God ignores you. It says God resists you. You're like, oh. Like we went from like happy feelings in the beginning to God's doing stuff when we don't have to do stuff right to now. God, what does that mean? That means God actually tries to frustrate your plans when you are proud. It means that God is against you. Right? Oh, no amens on that one, right? Oh, happy feelings gone, bubbles pop. Yeah, we'll get some happy feelings again. It's okay, right? Blessed is a person that has empty hands because they'll be filled with God's strength. God's saying, look, if you're proud, I, like, I don't, I don't just go against you. I don't just not like you. I'm going to actually ruin your plans for you. Like on purpose. Can you imagine that? But he's doing it. Here's what's amazing. He's not doing it to be the mean God of the Old Testament. He's doing it because he wants you to realize, oh man, I need him. I can't do it on my own. It's almost like some grace and mercy in his punishment. Cause I need to realize now why I have the opportunity to get kingdom minded that I'm not kingdom minded. Right? So it's a good thing. Second thing he does in this prayer. So not only does he realize he's little, Solomon prays recognizing that God's purposes are more supreme. Oh, if we would pray that way, right? God's ways are greater than mine. He's asking for this big thing. But but here's what's awesome. God is going to reward this thing since we've already read the whole chapter. God's going to reward this thing because he's kingdom focused and not Solomon focused. Right? You think it's not, well, God doesn't answer my prayer. Maybe it's because you're self-focused and not God-focused. Right? Right? Ask yourself, what do you dream about and why do you dream about it? Don't answer that one out loud. Okay? There is nothing wrong. Hear me. There is nothing wrong with asking for greatness as long as you're doing it for the sake of God and not for your own. Right? And let's be honest about prayer. You ever listen to Christians pray? Now, please hear me right now. I'm going to give the warning, and I I know you're not going to pay attention to it, so it's okay, but I feel like I need to give it. I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say and think judgmental of other people. But you're going to. You're going to, because there's people I've heard play this pray, right? You ever heard people when they pray with the stupid cliche phrases that are in all prayers? You know what I'm saying? Like something that's repeated all the time, right? Doesn't even really make any sense in what they're praying. I wonder sometimes, now this one stepped on my toe for the second section, I'll be honest with you. I wonder sometimes if God would wish we would listen to what he says before we pray and talk to him. But Just two examples God got me with this week, so you understand, because I'm probably not doing a good job teaching it, so the illustrations will help, right? You ever, you ever use a phrase like, God be with us? You can admit it. It's all right. Okay. God be with us. Right. Well, what, what is, what does the word of God say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What, what if when you pray that? <laughs> I don't know if God thinks this way. Okay. But this is my head. What if when you pray that God's like, please stop asking me for things I've already promised you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> like, what if God was like us and he's listening to us because he cares, right? But like, we're praying for things he's already said you got. And he's like, Say, just stop asking me for the things I've already told you got. You've already got that. Right? Here, here's a big one, and here's the one that really got me, right? You ever pray, Lord, bless this food to the best nourishment of my body? Oh, yeah, we've all prayed that one, right? 
Well, what does Genesis 1 say? When God made food, it was, it's pre-blessed. It's pre-blessed food. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray to God and thank God for the food. All right? This will probably blow half of your mind. My kids know this one. So if we forget to say grace at the beginning, yes, pastor family actually forget to say grace at the beginning sometime, okay? We say this. We're going to pray like Jesus prayed. Y'all know when Jesus prayed? At the end of the meal. So he's like, oh, great. I got to get out of jail free card next time I forget to say grace. Right? Yes, you got it. You got to use it, right? Jesus prayed at the end of his meals. He ate, and then he was like, God, that was great. Thank you for it. Well, he said father, but anyway, right? So, so, you, so you got that going on. Now, we think this. We, we go back, and we even study, and we're like, oh, now, Genesis 1, God only blessed. Let me, let me be real clear, okay? He only blessed certain kinds of foods. All right? I don't want you praying and going into prayer and be like, Lord, have mercy. You turn the water into wine, so I pray that you transubstantiate the cheeseburger and the broccoli uh, and the Coke into a veggie shake as I eat it so that when it goes down, it's as healthy as it can be at the end. No. Don't ask God to make your cheeseburger and your milkshake nourishment for your body it's nourishment for your gut but not nourishment for your body we understand that's my favorite thing now i'm guilty of it too because we eat pizza a lot i'll be praying lord bless the pizza (laughs) he ain't blessing the pizza to the best nourishment of my physical figure okay he's not not that he can't understand me i'm not saying he can't make pizza healthy right so he's like i had veggie pizza you had a lot of carbs and some cheese in that pizza okay don't get on no diet. I might not look like I got a good diet, but I know what I'm supposed to have. Remember wisdom and knowledge. I got the knowledge, but I ain't applying the wisdom yet on my eating part, right? So we got that. How about this? How about this? Now, this one kind of got me just a little bit, not as much as it's going to get some other people, right? But but it's good that it gets us. Remember, this is good. When it gets you, it's good. It changes things, right? What about the, the, the endless, trivial repetition of certain things? Y'all ever heard people pray when they repeat this same thing? 500 times in a 30 second prayer. Now, now just to be, don't be calling out other denominations. That's wrong. If the Catholics do that, that's their business. I know, but I did it because they didn't hear you on the camera. They heard me say Catholic. So now we all in. No, no, it's a good thing. I did on purpose. I sounded like I was being spiritual by telling you not to pick on somebody. But in reality, I'm stepping on the toe for people who are listening. And now they know we're talking about them. Is it not good to be online or what? Right. We will have less followers at the end of this message, I promise. Right? Here's what I really mean by this, though. Uh, imagine this, and maybe you've heard this. You ever heard people repeat God's name 700 times in a prayer? Right? I mean, I'm serious. Oh, God, we just thank you, God. God, you've done so much. Oh, God, if you would just. God, I just, God, I just, God, I just, God, I just, right? Could you imagine? Now, again, go back to what we're talking about with the look. Could you imagine if you talked to your spouse that way? Hey, babe, could you go to the grocery store, babe? Babe, when you get to the grocery store, could you go down aisle seven, babe, and pick up the cheese? And the crackers on on our eleven, babe. Baby, if you could just do this one thing for me, baby, Crystal would slap the daylights out of me if I called her babe that many times in one sentence. Now I'm allowed to say princess that many times because that's her name, right? But if I said babe, if I said babe that many times, I'd be in a heap of trouble, right? But we do this now. Now understand me why I'm picking on this this stuff on prayer. There's nothing theologically wrong with that stuff. It just sounds wrong. It sounds weird, does it not? Or is it just me? Maybe it's just me. If it's just me, I stepped on my own toe and you guys are just holier than thou and y'all can move to the holy section. Y'all know this holy section, right? So you can go over there. Here's the other problem with prayer sometime, right? He's moving. Sit down. You ain't holy, right? The other problem with prayer, we get so me focused. 
Gimme, 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 right? It's like we got a laundry list that we're giving to God while he goes to the divine supermarket to pick up stuff and bring back to us. Right? Do we not? And we even try to make it sound good. God, give me this. God, give me that. And then, God, could you make him behave this way? God, could you smite her for saying that about me? Right? I mean, we just got a list of stuff that goes on. Now, what what is prayer? Prayer is a means of seeing God on his level, right? Understanding things from, from his thing, right? Prayer, according to the Bible, is a weapon for spiritual warfare. Right? Well, if we believe all that, then he's not a heavenly waiter that's going to go pick up everything we want and bring it back to us, right? So stop ordering what you want and start checking out what he wants. Okay? It's why Solomon's about to get rewarded. Yeah. Okay? Is the main, well, what is the main thing? Don't answer these two. What is the main thing about your prayer life in the last week? Just, just be honest with yourself. What is it? I want you to think. Because it don't do no good for us to preach if we don't think. Right? Think. What is the main thing you've been praying about for the last week? Kingdom-minded, selfish-minded, first-order-minded, or second-order-minded? Which I'll get to first and second order here as we close out, which we're not near yet. Okay? Second question that kind of goes with that. If God answered all your prayers from the last week, how many people would be added to being kingdom-minded? How much of the kingdom would have changed? How much of you would have changed? Don't answer out loud. Just think. Be honest with yourself. Nobody knows but you and God. And he already knows, so you just need to realize it yourself. Seriously. He knows. He just, he just wants you to realize it. There's nothing wrong with great, grand, audacious prayers. Nothing wrong at all. I think we ought to pray more great and grand, right? We're coming to a king when we pray, correct? So, so, so we ought to. But whom are you, or who are you ultimately praying for? Yourself or his? I, I had my toes even stepped on this way. Why do I pray for my kids? Why do I pray for my kids? Do I pray for my kids so that I can be like this dad that people look at and they're like, man, look how well he does with his kids. Do I pray for my kids so like they can make money and, and I can not work and they can support me? I mean, what do I, what am I really? <laughs> Don't be honest out loud, right? What am I really praying for my kids? Or am I praying, God, I pray that your purpose be done in that young man right there. God, if that purpose is to take him away from me and he goes somewhere else and does whatever, I won't like it. I tell, I'm honest with God. I'm, I don't know if you guys are. I am straight up honest with him, right? Sometimes I don't like some stuff and I tell him that. He's big enough to handle my honesty, I promise you. Okay? So I'm honest. I won't like it. But God, if that's your purpose and plan, I'm okay with it. As a pastor, I'll step on my own toes since you won't step on yours, right? As a pastor, what about when I pray for the church? By the way, all these things are part of my daily prayers, just so you guys know. I pray for you daily. I do. All right? Is the purpose of my prayers so that we get big old numbers? Is it? Is it purpose so like people, people hashtag me? All right, I'm learning what all this stuff is. Hang with me, right? I'm probably, probably a little late still on that one, right? I just got Instagram for the tire store, so I don't know all that social media stuff, right? But I got it now, so I'm learning, right? What is the purpose? What is the purpose? Is the purpose so I can tell people, man, you know what? That building right there, it failed so many times before, but we're making it succeed. Well, your first problem is you said we instead of God, right? What is the purpose? Or is the purpose that we change as many lives to get right kingdom-minded views so that they change as many lives as they can when they leave here to get right kingdom-minded views? Huh? What is the real purpose? What are you really praying about? I mean, there's other examples. You, you know, realize we, we can even like pray for a good marriage for the wrong reason? That sounds weird, doesn't it? Because that's like a spiritual thing. Well, God likes good marriage. Yeah, he does for the right reason. He also likes good kids for the right reason. Right? He likes you to have a good job for the right reason. 
You'll never hear me tell you God wants you to be poor. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I'm not telling you he wants you to be rich either. I'm just telling you like God's got his own purposes. It ain't yours. Okay? We need to understand that. Third thing Solomon does. I'm not planning on staying on these three that long. Solomon prays believing that God will do what he said he'll do. Notice how easy these three are. Solomon understands that he's little, right? He understands that God's views are more supreme than his own. And he also understands that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. God, if we would pray that way. Wow. The stress and frustration, the relief that would come if we prayed this way, right? Notice how he does that, though. See, if this, can I, I'll confess again. If this would have been me, because I put myself in Bible stories. If this would have been me, I would have prayed. You know, I'd say, God, I want to, well, I probably wouldn't even pray for wisdom. So I'm going to put myself halfway in the story. I, I, well, Solomon, I did pray for wisdom. When it got to the end, I'd have been like, God, you told me I could have anything you said. No pinky square, no take back. Right? No fingers crossed, whatever the heck all that stuff's called. What did Solomon do? Look at verse 6. He doesn't do it like me, thank God, right? He goes to verse 6, and in his confidence, he says, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David. You have contained this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as a day. He's reminding God of, that, of past promises. You see what he's doing? He's saying, God, I'm reviewing the past activity, and I'm praying that you repeat it back to me. God, you promised that my dad and his kingdom would prosper as long as his descendants were on the throne, as long as they were following, which I hate to spoil the end. Solomon doesn't follow all the way, right? But anyway, I think some of us already knew that, right? God promises in his word. I think God would love for us to pray his word back to him. I do. Like, I think, I think for, for, for part, of, part of the word to be part of prayer, can you imagine that? Don't, don't you love, let's be selfish. Don't you love when your kids can repeat what you actually told them? I do. Thank God they finally listened to something, right? Right? I love it. Thank God, right? But why? Because if they can repeat it, they were listening. If they repeat it, then maybe they believe it, right? And they know it. Don't you think God's the same way? Right? Now, some of you, you repeat stuff and he's like, say it again. One more time for the people in the back, right? One more time for yourself <laughs> because you're saying it, but I don't know if you're getting it in your head, right? It's got to make its way up and down your whole body, right? Someone realizes this. Do we not have Jesus, who's David's ultimate son? Because some of us read this chapter and we're like, man, I can't believe we're spending this much time on the beginning. God never came to me a dream and told me I could have everything I want or one thing I want. Let's not even say everything. God never came to me a dream and he's not going to come to me. Maybe he's not. He hadn't came to me in a dream either. Okay? He definitely hadn't told me I could have one thing I want. Except for in his word, when it says the promises that go to Jesus also go to me. Oh, wow. Well, what did he promise Jesus? Jesus, I promise you that, that I'm going to build you the kind of people on earth. God, would you do that in my family? Look, look at verses like this real quick. We'll fly through these, I promise. Psalm 2.8. I hope they're on the screen because I don't want to take time to look about Right? Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. I love verses like this, man. Right? Go to the next one. James 1.5. All I've got the same idea, right? Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who's going to give it generously? Without criticizing, we're going to come back to that. And he'll give it to him, right? You just, are you lacking it? You ask it, he gonna give it to you. Look at 1 John 15, or 5, 4, 5, 14. Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Right? That's sad because some of it's tight. Right? This is the confidence we need. Now, this is the confidence we have before him. Whatever or whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Right? Some of us just want to be heard. God hears you. Right? Matthew 21, 22. Last one. And if you believe, You'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Wow. Right? Some of you are hearing this. You're like, man, all the times I've heard you, I didn't think you was like a prosperity gospel kind of guy. I'm not. <laughs> right? But I am all about the prosperity of God and not the prosperity of us. Oh, uh, right? 
Isn't that what all that is? Because all that had to do with his will, his plan, his design, right? Read them all. They're all conditional stuff. Uh, there's the fine print, right? Read these promises. God, if you did it for the people in the past, won't you do it for me? You know the biggest mistake we make? Here's the biggest mistake we make here. We make the biggest mistake when we think God's greatest works were done in the past and he can't do them now. That's it. Your biggest mistake as a follower of God and a believer is when you think everything in here is so awesome and so great. And you're like, man, I wish I could have lived back then to see all that. Why don't you see it now? Does God not say I'm the same yesterday, today and forever? So therefore, if he did it, then can he do it again? Don't you think God wants to work in your family, in our church, in the community, in the area, we, in, the, in the jobs we go to, right? In the gyms we go to? Could it not be that God has placed you in this exact moment, in this exact place to do something great for him? Maybe just to ask him to do something great through you, right? This is it, guys. We are responsible. Our generation is responsible for the souls of the generation here. We are. We talk so much about wanting to blame the past generation. That's my generation. We want to blame the past generation for all the changes negatively that came. You know whose souls we're responsible for? You know when we stand before Almighty and we're hanging out in the kingdom forever, you know one of the things he's going to call us out on? Right? What what didn't we do is what we're going to be called out on, I hate to say. Right? Right? Think about it. Think James, James chapter 1. Solomon uses these principles, right? But 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 look at this. James 1, 5. We just say that. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives all generously and graciously. Here's the verse. This is God's impartiality. He's so impartial. Who's he going to give it to? All. We notice that? All. Sometimes I think we think we got to get cleaned up before we go to Jesus. That's a big mistake, man, because he does the cleaning. Right? Right? Well, look at the individuality here in this thing. If any of you lacks wisdom, this is not a promise for the whole human race. Right. As far as far as a general thing, it's not like I'm going to give wisdom to the human race. Right. No, this is if you lack wisdom in your situation, it's you. God cares about you. Right. And this is individuality right here. And, and then the, the generosity and, and the, the, the I don't even know what you want to call it. Right. That comes here. Look at what it says. Generously. And uh, some translations say ungrudgingly. Some say without approach. Some say without lecture. You, you ever had to go to somebody and, and swallow your pride and ask them for a favor like you did something wrong. I know none of you have done nothing wrong, but I've done something wrong before and I had to go to somebody. Right. I, I, that's the holy section. They ain't did nothing wrong. My people are over here. We did something wrong and we had to go to somebody to ask for help. Right. But when you go to that person, they're like your last resort because, you know, deep down inside, when you go to them, you're going to get a lecture. Oh, you know, you're in this situation for this reason. You know, you did this and you did this wrong and you're only here right now because of you, 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 you. And then they'll finally give you whatever it is you was asking for. Right. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Aren't you glad God's not like that? Y'all holy people don't know what I'm talking about, but, but you, you should be glad. I wonder sometimes, because sometimes I'm dumb enough to make the same mistake a lot of times. Really. So, I, But I'm glad like God's not sitting up in heaven and he's not talking to some of the angels after some of my prayers. And he's like, there's Philip again. Can't believe he made the same. He's an idiot, just like usual. Right, did the same thing again. I guess I'll have to give him a piece of my mind and then I'll answer his prayer request. That's not in there. Aren't we glad that's not in there? Amen. Amen. He does so ungrudgingly, without reproach. It's good stuff, man. Right? It's good stuff. Now, as far as you be able to think you can't go to him until you're clean, cleaning up the effects of your sins is going to take forever. But the restoration and the getting God on your side, that's immediate. 
God starts working on the repairs immediately. He's not like a handyman. You've got to search down and have 500 calls to. You called on him, he's coming. That's going to take you a while to get you back right, right? But the restoration, this part happens immediately. But James has some fine print, right? Y'all know him, be honest about it. He's got some fine print. And here it is. He's got, what you call it this. Now, this ain't the church word we like to have when we talk about the blessings of God. You call it qualifications. Oh, there's qualifications for the blessings. There is. I will never lie to you, I promise. Not intentionally. I might get it wrong, but I'll try to correct it if I do, right? Right? And if we don't do these qualifications, here's what happens. We short-circuit the gift of wisdom. Now, here's the qualifications. There's only three. They're very simple. Verse 6. We've already read them all. You should have already got them. Verse 6, he says, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Where does he say that at? Let him ask in faith without doubting. Don't doubt. Be confident that God's going to do what he said. Here's why. You're like, why? Why does that? Because if you don't believe God, he ain't going to do it. Why would he do what you believe he can't do? Right? Right? Second thing. Verse 8. Don't defy. But where's that at? When he calls you double-minded? Now, now here's what this verse really means. And we do this. We do this if we're honest. God, this is your prayer. God, let me hear your opinion on it, comma, and then I'll decide if I like it better than my own. Is that not what we do? We even do it when we seek counsel from wise people. Let me hear your opinion on it. Oh, no, I didn't like the way you worded that. I'm going to do my own thing I was already doing. I want to throat punch people like that. I already, I'm going to be, I'm just be blunt honest right now, right? I already am short on time. Not that I mind when you call. I will, I will call. It don't matter what time it is. We, we can chat at midnight if you want to. Waffle House open 24-7, okay? Right? Like, I don't mind. I don't mind at all. So don't think that part of it. Don't think that part of it. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you intercede with my family time in the short amount of time I got, and then you still go and do your own thing, like blatantly, don't call me the second time. Now, that you could say, that's, that's wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. But I'm not God. He is. <laughs> I can confess just as good as anything else on the pulpit. Right? I'm just telling you. Now, God doesn't have that. Don't think that. Don't think God's got that stipulation. You go to him as many times as you want. He might want to slap you in the back of the head like I do, but don't, don't stand it, right? And, and the last thing, which Psalm 66, 18 goes there for you note takers, right? In order for God to hear your prayers, you got to be pre-surrendered. What does that mean? Psalm 66, 18. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord's not going to hear me. Oh, right? You, you got to be predetermined to believe God when you ask God for something. That sounds weird, don't it? What if I don't like what he says? That's trust, right? That changes it. You don't get to like what he says. You got to follow what he says. Third thing, don't disregard. Don't disregard. Disregard what? Here's what this means. God has given you means, we could call them, for wisdom. The first and most important, I think, is his word. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure, remain wise, sometimes they say, uh, by taking heed to your word. Right? That's a means we get wisdom. Because some of us, some of us, we're not going to get a gift like Solomon got where it's just going to come. We're going to pray, God, give me wisdom like James told us to. And God's going to say, good, read this. And we're not going to read it. And we're going to wonder why we didn't get the wisdom, right? How about this? Another thing, another means. Coming to church. What? Coming to church is like a qualification. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Look at what scripture says. Proverbs 13, 20. Uh, a multitude of godly counselors, there is wisdom. Uh, Job chapter 12, 12, uh, listen to the counsel of older people. Man, they actually got something good to say, right? 
something beneficial. Seriously, you want to know why we push so many? You want to know why I push you guys to get here on a Wednesday? This will be good for you. This will be good for you. It is. Anything that betters you betters the kingdom. This is good for God. Right? You, you want to know why so many Sunday school teachers want you in class? Because they want to better you. They want to grow you. You want to know why there's, there's groups, which I'm proud to say that I know. I know you guys. You guys aren't as bad as sometimes I make you out to be, right? I know there's groups that meet other days in a week and do Bible studies. It's awesome. I know some of you, when you're not here in person, you then have a Bible study about the service that you watched that night, that afternoon with people. That's awesome. Right? I understand good stuff happens. But for those of you that don't, don't be surprised that you don't get wisdom. Don't be surprised about it. The point is this, is God promises to answer when you pray, but praying in faith. It's like the guy who was hanging from the, from the cliff. He's holding on to, to, to the one branch that's there. And he starts praying because anybody hanging from a cliff is going to pray. Right? God, please rescue me. Guy walks by the cliff. Hey, man, you want me to give you a hand up? Nah, God's going to do it. Right? About 30 seconds later, the branch breaks. He falls. He dies. He gets to heaven or the kingdom or whatever the heck y'all want to call it for illustration. And he's standing before God and he said, God, I can't believe you didn't rescue me. And God says, I, I sent somebody. You turned him down. Now, some of us are thinking, that's so obvious, Pastor. That's dumb. That's a dumb illustration. Of course, that makes sense. Does it? Because I think we do the same thing. I, I think we pray for God to, to, to give us wisdom. Yet when God shows us way to get it, we cut ourselves off from the receptacles of getting it. Right? Some of you know you need wisdom. And you neglect God because you don't like what God says about what you need wisdom about. Some of you don't come to church and don't ask from the council of the multitude or the council of the wisdom because you don't like what it's going to have to do for you. Right? And I'm mostly not talking to you guys. I'm talking to you guys right now. Right? So some of you guys sit in and you listen to stuff because you can listen to it at your house and not feel so condemned. I know it. I know it, right? So how about this one? It goes a little deeper. Another passage uh, Solomon writes. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, probably his most known writing. Chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I'm going to throw verse 7 in there because it's so good. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Right? I love this promise, man, right? Because what's it saying? Everything I need for guidance is in here. And I, now here's the part you need to understand. I got a part and he got a part. Look, look at it. Here's my part. I mean, just look at the verse. It's obvious. My part. Trust in his willingness to lead me. That's my part. Don't doubt. That's my part. Don't rely on my own ability. That's my part. And all your ways acknowledge him. That's my part. Do everything. Do. Do. Everybody get that? Do. You got to have action. Do everything you believe. My part. Don't doubt. Don't defy. Don't regard. We'll use those other things. Right? And then there's another comma. Now this comma was awesome. The other comma was bad. Remember it had that little word, but Solomon was worshiping or he wanted to worship the Lord, but he was in the wrong place doing it. Right? It had the negative. This time here we get a comma, and this, this is this is the greatest comma in, in the whole Bible. Right? I know, by the way, some of you are going to tell me at the back door, you know the Hebrews didn't put the commas in. I do know. I got it. I've studied the word. I promise you I study as much as I can, right? I get some stuff wrong, but I study as much as I can to get it. So I got that. I know man put the comma. But you know what they did put in? They put in a wall right there. So if you've got this verse, here's what I want, here's what I want you to do. Seriously. If you write in your Bible, if you take notes, whatever it is, I want you to put a wall right here, okay? Because this comma right here is the best comma in the Bible. This is his part. What's his part? I will make your paths straight. You get it? You see it? Most of my problems come when I worry God's not doing his part. Which I don't, that's a lack of faith. I don't know why, right? 
You know what I think happens? I think we get there, and, and even maybe we did some of our part, and then like we try to cross over the comma, the wall that I just told you to put there, that line, right? And God says, get back to your part of the sentence. I'm serious. I think, I think God, you get back to your part of the sentence. Well, God, what's my part of the sentence? Go back to the beginning. You trust in his willingness. You don't doubt. You don't rely on your own ability and all your ways acknowledge him. You do everything you believe and you don't doubt. But God, I want to do more. Nope. You do your part of the sentence. There's a wall right there, right? Now the wall, the other side of the wall is what? My part. That's God speaking. My part. I'm going to make your paths straight. We need to start praying sheep prayers. Sheep prayers. Seriously. You, you, you guys know that you're compared to sheep in scripture. I've had a long conversation. Don't think less of me on this, okay? I've had a long conversation with God about why we're compared to sheep in Scripture. I have. Because I'm like, God, yeah, I'm big into mascots since I like sports. So I'm like, God, why couldn't you have made us like, like cheetahs or, because they're fast or like a big old bear because they're like mean and awesome. Or, or the other day I watched this alligator who could swim like a dolphin and, and he was, it was ginormous. So I was like, that would have even been cool, God. But God, you made me to be like a sheep. And was, could you imagine, like, if we were a football team running out, here come the Brookhaven Fellowship Sheets. <laughs> Their wool's so soft you can sleep on them. <laughs> Have you guys ever studied sheep? Sheep are dumb. They, I mean, they are dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking anymore. I'm being dead serious. Sheep are idiots. They really are. And that's why I'm reminded that God made me like a sheep. Right? We're so much like sheep, we even sing about it. Prone to wonder. You ever watch sheep just wander around a field? Right? What, what if we would just pray? And I jotted this down because I, I'm dead serious on this, right? God, in your word, you told me that I'm a sheep. And I even, I even put here, you can read my notes, I don't mind, right? I put sheep are idiots, God. <laughs> they really are, right? And if I'm a sheep, here's where you need to understand why God calls you sheep. And if I'm a sheep, I need to figure out what I can and I can't do, right? Now I'm getting some reliance on this thing. But if you are, what does he call himself? The great shepherd. Thank you for putting the great in there. I was afraid we wouldn't. The great shepherd. God, if you are the great shepherd, then I'm going to start trusting in your ability to guide me. God, I'm going to trust you so much that I understand that your staff is for protecting me against other stuff and hooking me and yanking me back. But also understand sometimes that staff is for, for getting me back straight. Hmm. I was going to say that. God, I understand that sometimes sheep are so dumb and they wander into so many dumb situations. I'm serious. That Look it up, man. They really do. That the shepherd will break their legs to keep them from leaving. You're starting to understand some of the stuff in Scripture now where God calls you a sheep and he's a shepherd. And you're like, I don't understand why God's putting me through this. You put yourself there, but yeah, he broke your leg. But he broke your leg out of grace and mercy. The shepherd doesn't break the leg because then they put him on a barbecue to grill him up, right? He breaks his leg so he doesn't wander and get eaten by the fox and the bear and the lion and whatever else, right? You, you know how much of a burden it is for a great shepherd when a sheep's legs are broken? Have you thought, oh, you hadn't thought about that part. We're like, yeah, he got me in a safe little area with everybody else. No, that's not good news for the shepherd. Now the shepherd's got to come and pick your lazy butt up and tote you around everywhere. You've grazed all you can graze right here. So now the flock can walk themselves over there because they were obedient and they were good and they did their part of what's on the wall and you didn't. So now the shepherd's got to come over there, throw you on his, but he does it unbegrudgingly. Right? Remember, there's no lecture. He doesn't walk over there. Now, if you just behave, I wouldn't have to. I'm going to break your other leg if you do it again. Right? 
I, you got four of them. We can break all four before this stops. Right? There's none of that. There's none of that. He picks the sheep up. Watch it on video, man. It's amazing. Picks sheep up and has to walk to the next side. Real shepherds. Now, don't watch these flocks where they're doing wrong stuff, okay? I'm talking about real shepherds. It's amazing, guys. And if I would just pray that to God, hey, God, I want you to make my path straight so that I'm following and trusting in you this whole way. I promise you God will do. Man, I'm telling you right now, guys, this will take away so much of the stress of your life. So much stress will just be gone. It'll be, it'll be gone, right? This is a liberating way to live. All right, I got to close. I see some of you looking, right? What happened? You know, there's a couple more verses I got to get to. I'm going to go through them really fast, I promise. What happened? Did God answer his prayer? If not, I'll go through them really slow. <laughs> Don't challenge me. I got more notes, right? Did God answer his prayer? Oh, we are ready to eat. Okay. Right. Why? Look at verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord. The speech pleased the Lord. Why? Because he wasn't selfish. He was asking for God and for God's reason, right? He even goes deeper. Verses 12 and 13. I have done according to your words. I have also given you what you didn't ask for. Oh, my God. I love it. I do. I love it right here. Well, you don't understand what's happening. You ought to woohoo it right now. I'm telling you. There should have been a man since we're sheep. Right. We should have just went crazy with it right there. That was your opportunity to be the mascot. He's saying, I I like what you asked because you did it without selfish motives. You did it to better the people. You did it to better my kingdom. I I love what you did there. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for money. You could have asked for all this stuff, but you didn't. And he says, because you didn't, I'm going to give you what you asked for. And I'm going to give you the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Right? I'm not just going to give you the bowl of ice cream. I'm going to give you the sprinkles and everything you can get from sweet frogs when you go through the line. I'm going to make you real hungry before you finally leave, especially Carla since she wants dessert first, right? Solomon prioritized God and his kingdom, and because he prioritized it right, God threw in all the extras, right? Now, please hear me. I'm not telling you if you pray this kind of prayer, you're going to win the lottery tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I am saying is this. This part right here shows you the character of God just like in the beginning. Remember, he was in the wrong place. Can't forget that. He was in the wrong place, yet God still came to bless him, Right? So the character got that grace and mercy. Here at the end, God didn't just give you like barely what you asked for. He gives you more because it's kingdom's sake. He throws in joy just because he can. Right? Look, look at Matthew 6, 33. We've already seen it once. Seek first the kingdom of God, which I got to point this out. If you got your Bible, even if you're not a note taker, I like command you if I have that authority to do. Right? I, w- I want you to write right there where it says seek first. I want you to put like a little arrow. And I want you to put not only. Oh, dang. Right. Seek first, but not only. You got it. It's an order kind of thing. You don't. Yeah. Right. The rest comes. Right. Seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What's going to be added to me? We'll read through some of it. Provision, abundance, joy, peace. Right. He's going to give you more than you could ever ask for. More than you could ever even dream of. Now, understand this. If you start out searching for the other things first. Think about other things. Great sex, lots of money, contentment in life, even a great marriage and a great family, guys. Even that can be wrong if it's in the wrong order, right? You won't find them. If you find them, they'll be temporary. You seek Jesus and his will, you'll get it all. It's this principle right here, and I hope I can illustrate it right. C.S. Lewis has it. I just got the principle right now. In life, there are first order things and second order things. First order things and second order things. That makes sense? You got things that should be first. Which is what? Kingdom. All right. And then you got everything else, which is second order things. Now, if you put the first order things first, God will give you the first order and he'll give you the second order. 
But if you put the second order things first, you're not going to get the second things or the first order things. Does that make sense now? One more time. First order things, second order things. If you got the first order things first, you're going to get the first order and the second order. You're going to get the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Sprinkles. I like that little caramel and I like some of the little little gummy frogs they put on there and Reese's Pieces and Snickers. All that's coming. All of it's coming on mine, right? Right? You're going to give it to you. But, I said it was supposed to be fast second time, but I slowed it down right there with that. If you put second order things first, you're not going to get second order things or first order things. You got it? God's asking you. I believe one of the things he's asking us today, what is it you want? And if you've been wanting the wrong thing, what a better day than today to be like, God, I'm sorry. Like I, I've been wanting the wrong thing for the wrong reason. Maybe you didn't know what you wanted until today. Maybe you didn't know what first and second order was. What a better day than today to get your priorities in order and get the blessings of God. What a better time than today to start actually seeing what wisdom is, hearing correctly in the heart, getting my view in line with God's view, and then actually following through with it and applying it. Knowledge is you. What I did today is what any preacher, any Sunday school teacher does is useless if we don't apply it. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Let's pray. Father God, I love you so much, God. I thank you for today, Lord. Lord, I, I love what you've done through, through just the beginning of this book that I had so many other plans for. And as weird as it sounds in front of everybody who's looking at me, Lord, I'm grateful that you put something inside of me that told me to scratch my ideas and go your way. Lord, I pray that you move in such a special way right now, Lord. Lord, if if I communicated something wrong, God, fix it. If I left something else, add it. Do what I can't do. Lord, I pray that your spirit right now will talk so deeply into every believer in this room that we can't help but to get like-minded with you and then put that into action. God, help us to keep the wall on the verses where we got a part and you got a part so that we don't cross over. In your great name we pray. Amen.